Welcome to Season 4 of the Leadership Educator Podcast, your source for knowledge and expertise on facilitating leadership education, training, and development. Interested in keeping up with the leaders' conversations across the leadership discipline? Want to add more to your resource toolbox with practical strategies for teaching, learning, and program design without changing your routine? Well, this is the podcast for you. If you haven't done so already, please hit subscribe so you don't never miss an episode. Welcome to the Leadership Educator Podcast. I'm Lauren Bullock, Assistant Professor of Instruction at Temple University. Hi, and I'm Dan Jenkins, Chair and Associate Professor of Leadership and Organizational Studies at University of Southern Maine, and we are both thrilled for this episode of the podcast. So we're joined today by Seth Diamond. Welcome, Seth. Thank you, Dan and Lauren, and I am very happy to be here today. So, so Seth is actually, he is just months away from graduating with his master's in leadership studies. He is at our program here at at University of Southern Maine. And I was so impressed with Seth's journey as a student, because when he was just starting in the program, he was making quite a transition, which I'm going to ask him to to chat about from Tanzania to the U.S. during a very interesting time in in the history of uh, of the last 18 months or so. And was just, have just always been so uh, impressed with the the work ethic and the tenacity and perseverance uh, of Seth. Just a great writer, great contributor, very engaged student, great with his his peers and and in class and just very professional. And through this, this experience, learned that he is uh, had taken on a new role um, after spending quite a bit of time abroad with the School for International Training and particularly their uh, study abroad programs. And one of, I just thought as soon as I learned that about Seth, like, oh my goodness, like what, what types of challenges and things are you experiencing trying to facilitate and help uh, and support universities and colleges around the world and other organizations that are trying to offer these study abroad and international experiences, you know, for learners. Um, and that is such a, can be such an important part of the learning experience for many academic programs all over the world. And in particular, there's started a nice introduction and kind of influx of leadership education programs that also have some uh, connection to study abroad, international programs and things of that nature from, from Rome to, to South Africa. We have our Monihu project that, you know, we just had um, Dr. Tara Coase, who's also a member of, of our department talking about some of the work she has done in the Monihu region of South Africa. And so, yeah, so Seth, like, what tell us a little bit about what is it like being not only a graduate student but making this transition and and all of this and kind of how did you get into working for SIT? Thank you, Dan. That was a really nice introduction, and I appreciate uh, the the background that you provided. and And it's it's uh, I'm sure some of the compliments have to do the, with, with the fact that I'm on the show and you need to build me up a little bit. So I appreciate that, uh, but. I, I, I guess I should take a step back and, and note that I'm from Portland, Maine, originally. I grew up in Portland and went through, through Portland Public Schools. Um, I did two years of undergraduate work at Plymouth State University before transitioning to uh, USM. And sometime in the middle of that transition between Plymouth State University and University of Southern Maine, I started going to Tanzania. And for a couple of years, this looked like a semester of school at USM and two or three months volunteering and working in uh, Tanzania, East Africa. And that turned into a decade in East Africa, uh, working in as a volunteer initially teaching English and math to disadvantaged students uh, in a place called Kilimanjaro, Tanzania. Uh, then I worked in tourism and hospitality for some time before moving into development where uh, for many years, I, I worked first as a campus director and then a COO 
uh, for an, an American organization working in education, healthcare, uh, sustainable agriculture, uh, and residential care for abused and abandoned girls in Tanzania. Uh, about a year and a half ago, I decided to uh, make the, the, the transition back to the United States, uh, back to New England, uh, to be closer to my parents. And that meant taking a new position at the School for International Training and SIT, as it's known. And it just so happens that that coincided with the global pandemic. And so our, my, my family and I, our, our, our transition back uh, this way started in the spring of last year, spring of 2020, just as the, the pandemic was uh, getting into full force. And so it's been an interesting year. It's been uh, challenging, but also rewarding in terms of starting a new, you know, a new job, a career transition, a new environment, a new culture, uh, and also being a graduate student in the, the wonderful leadership studies program at USM. Awesome. No, no, thanks for, thanks for sharing that, that background. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's incredible, you know, and, and, and you're a young guy um, and to have had those experiences, you know, so, so far, you know, in, in, in your life, um, I just really do add to, you know, the, the approach and the perspective and, um, you know, and just being able to share those life experiences with the individuals that you work with. And not only, uh, you know, I can definitely speak as a, as a faculty member, but also I've heard from, from your peers, you know, what that um, being part of the the learning culture and environment within our, our, our graduate programs, you it really does help to add that global perspective, and and you know two two things I'll say about that. One is over the over the break between our la last season of the podcast, we we surveyed our listeners, and one of the things that we heard a lot from our listeners was that they wanted to hear more perspectives from students in leadership programs, um, and so this is a great opportunity. Um, for us to do so. And I think one of the great things about having um, diversity in all its forms in the classrooms, again, whether they're online or face-to-face -face or synchronous or some hybrid or what have you, is it's that diversity of discussion because we're so discussion-based is let's hear about what leadership is like in Tanzania or working as an expat or, you know, working in, in some, you know, in any area of the globe, in any career or industry or organization of sizes and shapes and what have you. And, and it's, it's that meeting of the minds that is just so impactful um, in, in leadership learning. I don't know, what has your experience been kind of that and, you know, maybe perhaps things you may have noticed about your peers or learned from your peers as well as what, what that transition was like with the pandemic, both moving during that time period and, and transitioning into that new role? Sure. It, that, that's a great, great question. And, and suppose I, I would start by zooming out a little bit uh, and, and thinking about why uh, intercultural education, cross-cultural education, ideas around global leadership are so important. And, and, and of course, you know, part of it goes to the fact that the world is simultaneously incredibly connected right now through technology and also a bit disconnected because of the pandemic, but really asking that question as to, to, to why is intercultural, cross-cultural, global education important for, for up, up and coming leaders or professionals who are leaders? Uh, and, and the answer is really that in my mind and from my experience, that there is immense potential in uh, cross-cultural and intercultural engagement, whether it's for uh, practitioners, whether it's for professionals, whether it's students or faculty, the rewards and the, the opportunities that exist in, in this type of engagement are um, you know, unlimited. At the same time, uh, with those many benefits and possibilities for practitioners and professionals, 
there's also the opportunity for there to be unintended harm or you know consequences. And so for leadership educators and leadership uh, programs in general, it's really a question of providing students and professionals with the skills they need to be prepared in these intercultural and cross-cultural situations. Because on the one hand, there is such an opportunity. And on the other hand, there are potential negative consequences for leaders who aren't properly prepared. I love that you shared that, like that statement of we're incredibly connected to other countries and cultures. And it, it almost feels like we're doing our students a disservice by not either encouraging those programs or incorporating different experiences into their learning, because whether or not they realize it, they can, you know, step out. And even if they, you know, return home to live with their parents or their guardians, they're still going to need to learn how to act with people or enact, engage with people from different places, kind of no matter where they are. Um, it makes me though wonder what kind of what was the 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 turning point for you meaning like you, Portland Maine like is very different from like Tanzania and East Africa and at 18 that feels like a really big leap so kind of like what was like the 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 thing that said yep I'm gonna do it I'm gonna move to Africa and engage in these programs like what was that experience like for you and then I have a follow-up about your learning in Tanzania once you're done with that that, that's a, another really interesting question. And I, I, I suppose this is something that I would, and I have, I've worked with many students you know, around the world, whether they're Tanzanian students or American students coming to Tanzania. And my story of how I got to living and working and learning in Tanzania is really a story of not closing doors before you know what's on the other side. And for me, it was a coincidence, really. I, I was interested in education. I was interested in international relations. I was interested in global citizenship and these ideas, but I was a sophomore in college and I was snowboarding with a friend one day and, and she was preparing for a trip to Tanzania. And she said, why don't you come to uh, Tanzania with me? And, and at the time I was actually thinking of taking a semester off from school. Uh, my father was was having some health issues and I was I wanted some time to reflect on, on where I was going in, in the world, uh, figuratively, I suppose, not literally at that point. Uh, but I did. I, I, I leaped at the opportunity. I went to Tanzania on a whim. Uh, you know, again, it was that combination of of being interested in education and, and, and international relations and global citizenry. Uh, but I went. I decided I'd been in school for a couple years uh, as an education major at the time and that I could find an opportunity to to work with communities in Tanzania. And what I found was not only did it provide that reflection that I needed, but it also ignited a passion. And it really opened that door to, to discovering that passion. So the, the message that I share with, with students frequently is to, to not be so singularly focused on what you think you want, that you miss all of these opportunities that just happenstance or circumstance provide you in your life to say that could be interesting. Let me let me at least look at, at what's on the other side before I make a judgment about it. 
Oh, I, I love that. The don't close doors before you know what's on the other side, like just lean in a little bit to it. I also think too, and I don't know about y'all's experience in working with young people, but my, sometimes I, I work with young people who are gung ho and they're ready to go abroad because they've already been with their family. Then I run into folks who have never studied abroad or been abroad and, and they can't even like fathom taking that step. And I feel like college is the perfect place because you can go and learn under this umbrella experience. Um, and then the the you said people are kind of scared of that unintended harm. You can take like kind of not get that out of the way, but just get used to the practice that you're probably going to do this for your whole life. There are going to be opportunities where you in, unintentionally, you know, say something that you don't mean or or that's hurtful to other folks. And in these different cultures, you're creating that heightened level of awareness so that when you come back home or come back to your culture, like you have just a broader experience. Um, I talked to my students about this. It's one of my failures in college that I never studied abroad. And I almost want to like kick them out into the country and say, go, you know, do better than, than I did. I didn't realize the value. And it's okay if you go for a semester, you can come back. Like, it's all right. Like the United States, well, hopefully the United States will still be here. But, and as you've proven, you left for 10 years, the United States will be here when, when you get back. But I, I just kind of love some of those encouraging statements. Like you can kind of go make of the experience what you want. And then if you, when you're ready, you know, you, you can bring it back. So um, I say all of that to say, what are some of the things you learned in your immersive experiences in those various industries that you talked about when you were abroad? That 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 was a great summary. And I just want to, before I answer your question, and I might ask you to repeat that because I want to take one one step but to, to address what, what you just mentioned. That you got I, it. I, I do think that college is such an important opportunity and wonderful opportunity for students, regardless of what they think they had intended to study abroad or not, or if they think they're ready or they're not, college does provide and, and, and study abroad does provide that opportunity for students, particularly because of that importance of, of being prepared to do so, being prepared to go into another culture, uh, another context. And oftentimes these study abroad programs offer that type of support and that type of context and that type of preparation for students, regardless of what they think they're prepared uh, to experience or not. Some, like you said, are, are already experienced and they have the background and they have the skills and the tools. Others don't, and that's okay. And, and that's what you know these study abroad opportunities often provide. And they, they provide the scaffolding, the framework uh, to allow students to be uncomfortable and get something out of it and grow with the experience. And if I'm entirely honest with myself and with you guys, uh, I, I kind of created my own st study abroad. I, I didn't go with a, a formal you know, university study abroad. I did go with a volunteer organization, uh, but I, I didn't have as much preparation as I think I could have. And I didn't have as much structure as I think I could have. And again, it goes to that point of, of unintended consequences. And on balance, I like to think that I, you know, I, I hopefully had a positive impact in my career in East Africa, but I know that I did cause at points unintended harm or unintended consequences. And you know, I, I think had I been more intentional about how I went about this initial experience, I probably could have avoided some of that. So I, I do think that you know it, these programs offer a great opportunity, a great structure, a great support system for students who want this type of engagement. Uh, and just one last point on that, my, it's funny how you said that you know the United States will still be here and other countries will still be there. 
I remember when I first went, my first trip to Tanzania, I, I looked at my dad and I said, I, I better spend, you know, two or $300, whatever it was to go on a safari because I'll never be back in Tanzania again. <laughs> and he he kind of looked at me cross-eyed, like if this experience is what I think it will be for you, I bet you'll be back in Tanzania again and again and again. And I, and I looked at him with the same, you know, strange look, like, I don't think so, but I'll try, you know, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> That's oh, just, parents and their wisdom that we don't realize. That's right. That's right. You never know what they're what they're scheming. Just like just like as educators, you know, the th- things that we're working on behind the scenes, and students go, "Oh, aha! Th- that's why you've had us, you know, do all of this, or or you know, s- travel across the world to to experience this, or meet these people, or have this this opportunity." And I just I love the way that that you put that, and and the way that you've you know have, have are sharing that, and obviously coming from the heart there of, of the impact that, that that made on you. Um, as I, as you think about, you know, the work that you're doing with the school for international training. So you've been there just over a year. What, what are some resources or information that you have for those who perhaps facilitate these study abroad uh, or work with international programs, I guess, both now, you know, during the pandemic, but also like outside of the pandemic. And, you know, what would you share as far as not only how those how these programs are framed and structured and what, what SIT offers, but, but also um, how it might connect to, um, or if you have an experience working specifically with some of these leadership education types of programs. Really uh, great question, Dan. And I, I, I can answer, you know, I'll, I'll answer from my personal experience and also provide some context uh, from the office that, that in the team that I work for, which is the, the custom and faculty led uh, part of SIT with you know within SIT and and what I can say to to, to faculty or to study abroad professionals and, and and some of them probably have this background and the, you know these ideas in mind but there are unlimited amounts of resources available for for faculty and that includes folks in in leadership education and so on and and you know if we if we look at the fifty thousand foot level and then you know kind of zoom in a little bit. Uh, there are some great umbrella organizations or associations uh, like NAFSA um, and the Forum for Education Abroad that provide some higher level. Um, these are professional organizations that with standards and guidelines and professional development opportunities, networking opportunities uh, for, for faculty who might be interested in uh, leading study abroad programs. And then I, I, this is a piece that it seems fairly um, clear, but oftentimes uh, people forget about, and that's okay, but that, that home institutions often have a study abroad office, sometimes by another name. It, it's not necessarily the study abroad office, but that, that seems to be a par- fairly common name. Uh, and that would be a great resource for uh, faculty and educators to check in with for a couple of reasons. One being that they often have fairly robust resources, whether it's resources for self, you know, self-education or professional development, but also each, you know, each school and each institution is going to have different uh, procedures and policies and processes around study abroad and, and international education. And then, you know, continuing to, to, to look at a different angle, uh, Faculty are very good usually at, at research, of course, and there are loads and loads and loads of, of great books and articles looking at broad, you know, the broad ideas around international education and global education, but also uh, topics within that. So uh, ex- incorporating experiential learning into uh, faculty-led programming 
debriefing and reflection, uh, decolonizing study abroad. These are just you know some of the topics. There's many. Um, how to to lead and design community engagement and reciprocity ideas around uh, reciprocity projects and and and, and so on. The, these topics, uh, there, there's so many resources about these topics. And then you can look at providers. So there are providers, SIT being uh, one of them, but there are many, and each provider has a different niche and a different approach to to study study abroad and. Um, but providers often have resources to help faculty and educators, whether it's to design uh, and envision a program or to implement a program or professional development. So at, at SIT, and, and you know, right now we have a, an eight-week uh, online professional development certificate program that looks at just that. It looks at incorporating experiential education into faculty-led programming, both on-site, so in country and online, and we that that's part of a professional engagement program that that we run throughout the year, and we'll have opportunities uh, coming up again in the future. Uh, SIT also has a critical conversations uh, webinar series that starts next week, which would be a great place for faculty to to start thinking about these ideas. It it, it will have guest lectures, site visits, and some really engaging activities. Uh, that would be a wonderful starting point. And then of course, there are uh, professional uh, development or graduate certificates in things like international education that would again be another avenue uh, for faculty and educators to look at. I love that you shared all of those resources. I know that I, so at, at my university, they encourage faculty and students to go abroad, not just to our university sponsored campuses. We have two abroad that are ours, um, that are in our system, but they also encourage that travel to other spaces. And they also put a lot of resources behind it. Um, if you want to go, if you can create a partnership with um, another university or another program, they are, you know, into that 9,000%. But I think what I love about what you just shared is it sounds like you're educating people. Like if you're interested, you don't have to go at it alone. Come and talk to us in our community. We have training, we have certificates. We also have these um, converse, the critical conversations so that you can go and guide your student through this process and not assume that kind of you're the sage on the stage or like you know everything about this space. Um, and I, I love that because it models something that we talk about in leadership regularly, like that learning aspect of it. Like if you are committed to being a leader um, or and now committed to being a follower, we just did a whole episode on followership, um, you need to be committed to continuing to learn in all of this development. And it sounds like those are some wonderful resources for people that are interested in doing that work. Um, I do, I also too, um, in addition to like mom, teaching, wife, et cetera, I'm also in school full time uh, studying leadership and change management. As you laugh, Seth, I'm sure after you shut down for work, you then pop open to do some of these master's uh, projects and papers and attend class. Um, it's so interesting you talked about the research aspect of it, because in my program, we have a global study paper and we have to look at how are scholars talking about your topic in non-US countries. And it was extremely eye-opening. I look at faculty student interactions and how faculty members can um, create positive interactions that are needed for academic, professional, and social development with students. And I was floored to see the, the depth of conversation out there about interactions. Um, I did like a whole section just on 
what faculty members are called in other countries. And, and then I went into, you know, some, there was some really good research on like students who, you know, immersed from a culture, it, who, students who were in a study abroad program that was completely different from their culture. And then students who were in study abroad programs that were very similar to their culture. And then bringing in American based instructors into these um, spaces where the culture was completely different. And so that, that study like was really just eye-opening. So I love some of like the research and, and education and training that you just shared. Um, and I wonder too, um, in, in sharing your background, you talked a little bit about like you creating this nonprofit in Tanzania. Um, and, I, and it was so interesting because you talk about a basketball startup in Tanzania for girls. And so can you kind of tell us how you got from like, you know, leadership education training in those different spaces to a basketball startup nonprofit organization for girls in Tanzania? I, I would be ha happy to. And uh, just to, to tie up first the, the, and draw a little bit of a connection between what you, you just spoke about, Lauren, and uh, some of the ideas that, that we've been discussing. I, I think and this goes to SIT, this goes to study abroad. I think one of, in, in the initial question you asked me that I never circled back to is about what did I learn in, in all of you know, these experiences in Tanzania? And it really comes down to local voices and elevating local voices and relying on local expertise and local voices. And that's a, 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 a connection or something I see across those three kind of areas, whether it's wor the work I've done in Tanzania, the study abroad and preparing faculty and students. And, and regardless of whether somebody's a leader or a faculty member, when they go into another culture, there should be an emphasis on, in my mind, in my, my opinion, my perspective on local experts and local uh, networks and local partners. That's where the learning and the growth will come from. And I just thought it's interesting because that is something that's across all of those areas, whether it's what I learned, whether it's what I think, you know, organizations like SIT bring to uh, study abroad. It's it's that emphasis on local networks and local voices and local expertise. Uh, and then transitioning now, Lauren, to your follow-up question, I worked in education, the, the, a wonderful organization called Mainsprings uh, that, that takes a holistic approach to poverty alleviation in rural East Africa. And really that's across four areas, education, healthcare, uh, permaculture, which is a form of sustainable agriculture, uh, and residential care for abused and abandoned girls. And I had a wonderful um, opportunity to work with that organization and learn so much and still you know, maintain good relationship and in touch with them frequently. Uh, but what I realized a couple of years ago was that my passions were becoming more and more refined and clear through this process. And it was walking through that door, that door initially, you know, 10 plus years ago that allowed me to discover my, my broad passion, but it was through my work over the ensuing years that allowed me to reflect upon the experiences that I was having and start to refine some of my passions, which really came down to, uh, on the one hand, leadership education, uh, leadership training, whether that's American students uh, in study abroad programs or Tanzanians, uh, you know, in, in rural Tanzania where I was working. So 
I started to discover that by I, I, I started a, a girls government leadership program within the, the framework of the organization that, that I was working with, uh, which was it was just something on the weekends, a club really to to informally talk about leadership and you know youth leadership and how can youth have a positive impact on their community around them uh, with limited resources and limited training. But it was incredible and it was empowering, not just to the students I was working with, but also to myself and, and, and thinking about my life. And then a couple of years later, I began teaching in a very similar coincidence. After 10 years of not touching a basketball, I picked up a basketball and decided I wanted to start playing basketball a little bit again uh, and joined a amateur basketball team in Tanzania, the most competitive basketball I've ever played because I, I got cut from my high school team early on. Uh, so this was kind of my, uh, my 2.0, basketball 2.0. But I also started uh, informally teaching and coaching a group of girls in Tanzania and found that uh, it was incredibly impactful to them because it, basketball opportunities don't exist for girls in Tanzania. And they're growing and they're expanding. But at this point, a couple of years ago, they were almost non-existent. And I was on a safari, I was in the middle of the Serengeti, I was a little bit sick, um, just under the weather, and it hit me that these two things were my passions in life, basketball and leadership development. And so working with some close friends in Tanzania and here in the US, uh, the last couple of years, we've been pulling together a, a, a small nonprofit. We're still in the planning and preparation uh, phase of that. Uh, but that focuses on leadership development through basketball for girls in Tanzania. So really focusing on those two sides, the, the basketball and knowing that there'll be some opportunities that could be opened up through basketball, but more importantly, the leadership and life skills side, which will benefit uh, regardless of whether they pursue a life in basketball or beyond education or medicine and so on. Oh, I, that's so interesting because we're so we're on the eve uh, or last week was National Girls and Women in Sports Day. And every year someone posts that um, like over 90 percent of, you know, women or female identified leaders played sports. And so it's it's so great that that out of this girls government club, just to talk to them a little bit about kind of youth leadership, you know, there's this, this beautiful path of connection that's continued to grow. Um, I, I am a person, I have two degrees in sports. And so when you say stuff like that, I like feel like I could talk for another hour about the value of sports um, in the in lives of girls, boys, our trans young people. Like it's just such a valuable experience. Um, I also love that you connected it to your passion. So in my uh, communicating leadership class, the first two or three weeks, we talk about, you know, what's your purpose and do you have a purpose statement? And and most students don't, they have some kind of clue to what they like, um, but they don't really have like a crafted pur purpose statement. And I say, good, if you're being asked that question now at 18 or 19, by the time you're 40, you may have some of that figured out. And I said, you know, you don't have to start it, but you, you want to start from somewhere and look for clues of fulfillment kind of as you go along the way. And it sounds like, you know, you have put together, you know, kind of what you're interested in and, and put that to work to be like fulfilling work for you. I wish I could have taken that snippet and, and put it in my, my lecture. Uh, that would have been a really good piece. Cause I, I don't know how much they, they trusted me at that point. They're like, ah, 
oh, this sounds a little fishy. Uh. But but I, I said like, you know, it's this collection of kind of what you can, what skills you have, what you're really interested in and emotional about and what people need. And it just feels like you've kind of put that together in this nonprofit project that's like not your full-time job. Because um, the other part of it is they pushed back on this idea that like you can work in your purpose. Um, they felt like you shouldn't be required to work in your purpose. You should like volunteer and that's where your purpose is. And I'm like, at almost 40, I can tell you, you can work in your purpose and volunteer in your purpose. And it just feels like that's what you're trying to do um, with the with the folks that you encounter in your life. So I love hearing about that. Absolutely. I, 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 I think sports, and I'll, I'll try to address a couple of the points you made pretty quickly, but sports is such an impactful opportunity, whether it's for yeah. girls in Tanzania or kids here in the United States or you know, people like myself, young adults like myself. Uh, but when I think about what 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 the girls I work with in Tanzania get out of basketball, one they they have fun. You know, it's it's an enjoyable, healthy uh, opportunity to 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 do something productive. Uh, but it also, if you think about the tools and the skills that you get out of something like basketball, uh, communication skills, leadership skills, followership skills, team building skills. I, you know, we versus I mentality, uh, perseverance, uh, in addition to the, the physical health and exercise that you get, it's incredible the, the tools that and the skills that, that young people can get from participating uh, in these, these opportunities. And anecdotally speaking, I've seen um, so many young people grow into leaders and gain in their confidence and their composure via sports, you know, that the 10 year old that was really shy and, you know, didn't really want to speak up or come out of their shell two years later is the captain of a basketball team uh, and, and leading practices and communicating and motivating uh, others and, and critiquing themselves, having the confidence to say, I didn't do this as well as I could have. Here's how I'll do it better next time. And, and so I just got to, I, I got to say, Lauren, that, that that was a great point. And there, there's so many skills that, that come from, from these types of activities. And then about purpose and uh, working your purpose or volunteering your purpose. I think it's an, and, you know, it, it's a both and scenario. Yes. If you can yes. overlap, you know, your purpose and your work, you, you've figured it out. You, you've succeeded. You've, you've got the magic equation. If you can't do that, or you can only do it to an extent, that's okay too. And if you can find within whatever work it is that you're doing, if you can find pieces of your purpose, that's another way uh, to, to look at it as well. It doesn't need to be the full picture. It's not an all or nothing scenario. You can find purpose in whatever it is that you're doing and you can do it in baby steps. So maybe, you know, your, your purpose, uh, you're volunteering your purpose currently, but if you can build towards something and, and you use the great, you know, whether it's a, a purpose statement or a vision statement for your life, if you have a, a, a goal or a landmark or a road sign ahead of you that you're constantly taking small steps towards in transitioning from volunteering your purpose to working your purpose, that that's great. But for those that have figured out how to work their purpose or find purpose in their work, they, they've got it and they've figured it out. 
Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, so we've asked you, we've talked a lot and we've asked you a bunch of different questions. I don't know if there's anything else that you'd like to share before we kind of, before we wrap this episode up. I, I, I would, I would, I would share uh, with students, with professionals, with the two of you. And I, I think this is something we, we all uh, share in, in different ways, but that it is incumbent upon us as students, as educators, as professionals, as practitioners, to continue to engage the world, to continue to engage different communities and different cultures, and to do so in a way that builds understanding and appreciation. And we can do that in an effective way. And I would just reiterate the importance of preparation and intentionality and positionality, recognizing your position in those types of uh, engagements, but ultimately the, the opportunities and the benefits that come out of it continued engagement across cultures, across borders uh, are phenomenal. We just have, as educators and as professionals, need to make sure that we're doing so in an intentional and structured uh, and, and prepared way. Love it. Yeah, love that. Seth. Intentionality is like absolutely one of my favorite words to to utilize when I'm when I'm doing workshops with with uh, leadership educators because it's so important to that backwards design process of like what are we trying to get at? What are your as D thinks is like what are your hopes and dreams for for students that might participate in your program or in your academic course? Like what do you want to to get? Uh, what do you want them to get out of it? And so um, it de definitely shines through and and everything that that you're working on and. Um, and thank you so much again for, for taking the time to, to be with us and for being our, our first official guest uh, student, you know, on the, on the podcast and, and a master's program. And so hopefully you're, you're paving the way for other students and, and other leadership programs to share some of their experiences and some of the impact that being a part of a program like that has had on, on your work and, and all the great things that, that you're working towards. So that wraps up this episode of the Leadership Educator Podcast. Again, Seth, thanks so much for, for joining us today. And a good luck finishing up that thesis. All right. Thank you, Dan. And thank you, Lauren, for having me. This has been a fun conversation and I'm honored to be the first uh, student to join the two of you. And I appreciate your, your word of encouragement, Dan, as we head towards the finish line in this program. It's, it's a lot of work, but it's worth it. And it's a wonderful leadership studies program uh, that you all are running at University of Southern Maine. And, 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 and I encourage others to think about it. We would love for you to follow us on Twitter. I'm at Dr. That's Dr. Underscore Leadership, and uh, Lauren is at M R S L A U R J B. That's Mrs. Laura J B. Um, and you can find the episodes wherever podcasts are available. And we also encourage you to subscribe and rate us five stars. As the more you rate us, the easier it is for others to find us. We'd also like to thank the James M. Cox Jr. Institute for Journalism, Innovation, Management, and Leadership within the Grady College of Journalism and Mass Communication at the University of Georgia. The Support was facilitated by Dr. Keith Herndon, William S. Morris Chair in New Strategy and Management. And our wonderful theme music was composed, performed, and mixed by Dr. Matthew White, trumpeter, composer, and educator. And he's currently an associate professor of trumpet, coordinator of jazz and commercial music, and director of ensembles at Coastal Carolina University. You can check him out at www.mattwhitejazz.com. Matt, thanks so much for sharing your musical genius with our audience. And finally, thank you to the Association of Leadership Educators. Check out what ALE has to offer at leadershipeducators.org. We hope you'll listen to our next episode wherever you get your podcasts.